I've hit record, so we're back in the shed. Maybe you should just piggyback my account. No way. And how can it be a bad thing? Don't lose hope, comrade. <laughs> oh, you are going to open nah, that one. No, it's, ah. it's a joke. It's joking. <laughs> Fix it with fire. It's <laughs> such a ridiculous thing to say. That's good history. That's really something to be proud of. You may need to put your mouth closer to your microphone. Why is there always that feeling of trepidation? It fits in with that whole outlook on life, isn't it? Our bigger issue, everyone, is capitalism. Because you didn't tell me about that. I've hit record, so we're back in the shed. We're live. No, we're not live. Oh, okay. Because we record it and then put it on... Butcher it. ...the World Wide Web and stuff, so it's not quite live. <laughs> we're safe. It fe- Why is there always that feeling of trepidation, <laughs> even though all the shit gets cut out of it? <laughs> Who knows, Michael? Just... When you create great art, this is just what happens. <laughs> exactly. We put pressure on ourselves because we demand a high-performing high product. That's it. Indeed. That's it. Indeed. Quality content, there's just got to be some level of anxiety, otherwise it just doesn't work. But at the end of the day, the shed's a safe space. It really is. It is. What, what are you actually doing, Michael? Yeah. Hungry, and uh, it's... How many episodes are we in now? It was only proper that we actually cook some food so you blokes can eat instead of sitting mm. here hungry. That's... Or chocolate and chips, that's... It's okay. It's a change-up. Let's get some grilled food on and so enjoy by, ourselves. By the time this episode potentially gets out, it could be episode 15, maybe? 14. Four, no, because we've oh. I've edited one. I've got one that I haven't even looked at yet. Right. And then oh. there's this one. So the one that I haven't even looked at <laughs> might get binned. There's one filthy edit up there that's like... Oh, su- after grand final. Was that that one? Sunday. I think it was about the just before Clarkie's alcohol ban. <laughs> and it was a quality rant. And it's like oil wars and just full on deep shit. That, the oil wars, that's, that's like... Um, the Easter egg that's been sitting there for <laughs> yeah. that's been sitting there for probably yeah. fuck me probably six months yeah, yeah well it's, uh, it was not long after not long after we started and we were just like well I'm not even I don't even know when I'm going to have time to edit that <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless we will soldier on what so I've uh, since our last potty I went to Bali that was uh Pretty amazing, if I'm going to be honest. It was a massive eye-opener to go and visit a developing country. And it's something you'd said before, Mick, about uh, people elsewhere not doing as well as what we are here in this country so we can um, do well in this country, which was something that I sort of thought I understood, but it wasn't until I went to Bali that I really understood. Is that Rady? Rady! My, <laughs> my dog has um, difficulties. Mainly with a dog door that she used to use. It's now attached to a different door. She pokes her head through and then decides, no, nah, it's not for her. Too and scary. goes back out. So that, that weird noise like thunder is... So those of you who are new to our podcast, Lady is the mascot of the In The Shed podcast. And she's the Ewok dog nice. that Michael's about to let in. There you go. Hello, Lady. But yeah, um, going to Bali was a massive eye-opener just to see... Um, the infrastructure was probably the thing that caught my eye initially, being a, a tradesperson and dealing with electricity, just the <laughs> lack of maintenance and just the chaos of their power uh, infrastructure was pretty mind-blowing. It's what uh, we often talk about things called regulations. Mm. Uh, Southeast Asia, there's often people have a bit of a laugh about the bird's nest of 
uh, people having a crack at their own power supply, that's what happens when you don't have regulation. Absolutely. So I'd hate to think of how many people either die or present with uh, after severe electric shocks over there. So we we went whitewater rafting, and so we pulled up at the the spot where we got out of the bus and then walked along a track and then down into uh, down to the river. It was quite I don't know probably about a kilometre and quite steep. But walking um, through like the rice fields leading up to where we were going, that there was um, crisp like the the power distribution lines like had broken away from um, the cross arm or whatever it was that oh. was supporting it up the pole, and literally they were about like fifteen hundred off the ground. Oh, really? Between poles. <coughs> and what do you reckon? That was four fifteen, you reckon? Or oh uh, yeah, that would have would have yeah. been four fifteen. Nice. And it was just like. High fault currents and Beautiful. people not and had been like it for quite some time because it was overgrown with growth. Like, oh. And it was just like right. So heavy so drop someone, of rain someone, and, a, and a branch is clipping the power lines and just no, it's entangled. Like so, vines oh. and shit. I oh, see so you just got an elevated earth. Nice. That's and was, good. I was like, is someone going to come fix that? Oh no. So that was a, that was a bit of an eye opener. Obviously, um, their sewage system isn't quite as up to date as what ours is over here. But the people were amazing, unbelievably friendly. Um, everyone seemed, well, not everyone, but the majority of people seemed to be really happy with um, life and what's going on over there. And one of the things I found really uncomfortable was their hospitality, like how they waited on me hand and foot in certain situations, like grabbing your bags, opening doors for you, calling you, oh, are you good boss and things like that. I mm. found that I didn't like that. No. Because it... it I felt like they were putting me on some sort of pedestal that I didn't deserve to be on and would rather interact with them as if they were my equal. Yeah, I was there 20 years ago and I found that a bit awkward. Like, you literally leave the airport and you've only got to carry your bags five metres and there's someone there willing to carry their bag, your bags for five rupees. Was it 5,000 rupees? 1,000 rupees? 7,000 to a dollar or something like that? No, so ten thousand to the dollar. Is it okay? Yeah, yep. right. I know. I think it was about seven thousand when I was over there. But it was, you got out a million dollars, and it was equivalent about two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. So like a that. million bucks was a hundred bucks. Well, was it? Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. So it was, yeah. Yeah. Ten to one, of course. Yeah. Yep. Different place. Not yeah, far but, from our shores. Yeah, like it's a, it's a great place, and it's um heaps of Aussie tourists there and things of that nature and. It got me thinking about foreign foreign aid. Foreign aid, they talk about, oh, we give Indonesia X amount of foreign aid and so on and so forth. Why don't we spend some foreign aid on Bali instead of just saying we give Indonesia foreign aid, which is mainly just fucking military support and training and equipment? Like, wh- what's that doing for anyone in fucking <laughs> Indonesia? <laughs> Fuck all. Oh, well, <laughs> I've got the free market does because we our discretionary spending turns their economy over. <laughs> <laughs> One, our tour guide, so we hired a local tour guide and his price to drive us around for about 10 hours on the first day was 60 bucks. Mm. And, and you I probably was, paid too much. To and I honest. was like, well, I gave, him, I gave him a $10 tip. I was like, nah, that's mm. ridiculous. And then the next day, I think I gave him a $20 tip. And then the final day, <laughs> I gave him so, a $50 tip. Oh, you're so generous. Um, that's literally months of... <laughs> Oh, it would be. But it was yeah. just it was just like, nah, this is just wrong. I'm taking advantage of you in this situation mm. and you deserve to get more than that, even though that's the going rate. Yep. Um, and my daughter, 
she's very generous and she was tipping people flat out. She couldn't help herself. I spent more money on tips than anything else. Right, eh? Um, yep. I, gave, I gave our tour guide who took us whitewater rafting a $10 tip because I was going to give him a $5 tip. And my daughter's like, oh, well, I want to give him a $5 tip too. And yeah, right. So, so I gave him 10 bucks, <laughs> mate. And the look on his face was like priceless. He, yeah. He couldn't believe it. Because it's probably all cash in his pocket at that point. Yeah. But that was um, off, that's probably the, the thing I enjoyed the most was like tipping those guys money that they fucking earned. Like, mm. fuck me, it's like they work hard. Like standard standard issue day over there, it's like twelve fifteen hours, and it's six days a week. They don't stop, that's for sure. Yeah, it's bizarre actually that things haven't come along a bit, bit quicker, considering the amount of tourism they get through that part of the world. You'd think conditions would have actually lifted. A bit better in that time. You may need to put your mouth closer to your microphone. Oh, sorry, mate. Pretty good. Just, go. just a red eye. Just have to move the um, the air filter. The air filter over towards the computer a little bit. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> good on you. <laughs> well, just hello, for a bit Neil. More hmm. Hello, here, Michael. You're here now. Thank you. Yeah, but Bali was great, and it's giving. It's pretty much given. Well, Nadell, myself and Chelsea, the travel bug, and our next trip's going to be to, hopefully, Thailand, Vietnam and Cambodia. Awesome. Get on that. That's a beautiful part of the world. But that's, um, that's what I did for a couple of weeks. Well, because it's been about a month since we've all been in the shed, and fuck me dead, there's been a lot happening in the last month. A lot of stuff happening. Morrison's in- found his feet as the Prime Minister. <laughs> In the, in oh yuck! In the bullshit uh, news media activist space, the world spins at a pretty terrific pace. Mm. So it does feel like it's been a long time. Yeah, almost a year. Good to see you. It is good to see you. I despair. Some, it hasn't been a good time for humans. No, we've we've had to retreat in the the ongoing battle to make things right. Um, I was just talking before about what happened in Brazil. Basically, there's been a Nazi coup. Um, when did this happen? The today? media, there was general elections over there. There was a, in a nutshell, um, as happens, there's uh, supposedly what the media will coin a left-wing workers' party, which is crony capitalism anyway. Largely corrupt, people got the shits on with that. So the alternative was to lurch back to the right and this Populous. bloke, full, uh, fair income, the new fella, uh, deport activists. So is this plural? the guy who's modelling himself on... The is it Malaysian or Philip the guy who basically kills drug dealers and yeah worse worse yeah, than that so yeah he went, right after the election went to universities and started um, pulling down or removing any material around the study of fascism um, and yeah it's all all bad all bad times over wow. there wow mm. wow see that doesn't that does, I didn't hear Koshi didn't tell me about that. Koshi? No, he didn't tell me all you about that. You must have missed it, mate, while he's giving you the update on the uh, share market yeah. and what to do with your free cash. What to wear at Derby Day or, you know, important stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently some horses are going to run around run around tracks and it's pretty important. Or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, the ones that don't end up in the glue factory or but the our, dog um, meat. Anyway, that's another topic for another but day. But our, our friends and allies in Saudi Arabia, oh, yes, they, they got up to a little bit of murder. Now... I remember a little while ago there was a bit of song and dance about... It was a bit of James Bond shit, to be honest, where the Russians apparently tried to knock off one of their former 
double agents or something in uh, the UK. They expelled diplomats. They closed embassies. There were talk of sanctions. It was all basically as extreme, extreme as you could make uh, international language without armed conflict. And so that all played out. There was uh, That really fizzled out to nothing. And then in the last few weeks, you've got on toast Saudi Arabia a dissenting journalist going to an embassy and potentially he's being dismembered and no dramas. No no worries about that at all. Well, you know, what's what's the royal family? Saudi royal family? What's he called? Oh, mate, can't remember his name now. The prince? Yeah, prince, whatever his name is. <laughs> that was a guess. Apparently, um, nobody is, he's a prince. So is it, is it Wall Street Journal the guy was from? The Washington Post. Washington yep. Post. So he was actually a Saudi national, wasn't he? The journalist. Yes. Yeah, and he was. Uh, it was, so it was, and it was in Turkey. Yeah. So he went to the Saudi embassy in he, Turkey because they summoned him there. And then his girlfriend was waiting for him in the car outside. And he said, "If I'm not out within four hours, you need to leave, and you could potentially be in danger." Sure. And yeah, it's, it's come out in the media, and they've said the latest I've heard is he was strangled, um, and they dismembered his body to get rid of it, and it was a couple of rogue operatives that were a bit upset about some of his articles and it was nothing to do with the prince because he's a good bloke. Yep. That old chestnut. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that the, the mainstream media has allowed the drip feeding to be... The initial article was this journalist has been lured into an embassy, dismembered because no one saw him leave. So that's clearly a pretty severe fucking issue, like mm. full-on James Bond shit. And then the first, the interim report back from Saudi Arabia was he was strangled in some sort of altercation. Yeah, it was an and accident. Like, yeah. And Yeah, where and, did the body go? <laughs> and and what's the, what's the next thing? But the allowance and the space and the 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 care given to them to be able to explain basically that they're knocking off dissenting journalists. Mm. That's it's just fucking incredible. And the only justification well the only justification between the two levels of treatment between the Soviets with the nerve agent in uh, Novichok or whatever it was in in the UK and the treatment with you know sending off all the um, the embassies and stuff it, it can only be just purely because of arms sales or that sort of oil really it's got to be that's what it has to come down to really I mean I'm being a little bit cynical but uh, you know yes. that's, well yeah well uh, when you look at it like why do they Brit- get a free pass basically that's because Britain and America don't buy oil off Saudi Arabia or sorry don't buy oil off Russia mm. or sell them arms exactly yeah yep and that's the difference isn't it there's no market there to protect in the big home and away game of international relations and where the power really lies which is in the oil and energy and money industries you can see who is a friend of who in the West when you're allowed to dismember fucking journalists. And mm. the media just sort of goes, yeah, well, we'll just we'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, it was all but done on TV, really, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was reported pretty accurately as to what's happened. The guy's no longer around and no one knows where his body is, but we know where it was last yeah. and who was involved. And the nature of embassies is, is that you just don't wander in and out as you please. No. So no. you've gone in, some a van turned up, people have done the business and away we go. But it's um, that, that sort of cronyism amongst the West and... It goes back to reinforce the point we always babble on about, which is our media is so sanitised it is sickening mm. just about what uh, people are okay with in the West and who our friends are and what we allow these so-called friends to get away with. There was also a, 
a journalist in the US that put one to old Trump. Um, <laughs> this is not cool. Your mate. mate. This is not cool. State-sanctioned murder of mm. a journalist dissenting about Saudi Arabia, which, for those that um, aren't aware, are a human rights disgrace. Uh, public beheadings are still the norm. Like, it's back in the Stone Age. Their legal system is in the Stone Age. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's not cool, but uh, at the end of the day, there's 500,000 jobs in the arms industry and all these arms trades, and you've got to just balance it out. <coughs> yeah, it's a trade-off. Sure you do. <laughs> sure you do. If You know, what are we going to do? If we can't murder a journalist, who are we going to export death to? Do you want some death? Yeah, cool. I'll have some death. You go and do your thing. Oh, it's fucking, yeah. It's, I mean, one of the reasons we started this podcast, Mick, the whole idea was behind it to question the status quo because that's out of the news cycle now. And you look at the, the rhetoric around this whole situation and you just go, how can this even be fucking real? Like, you just... It sounds like fantasy, really, doesn't it? Like, it's two or two parts removed from fantasy. Like, it really shouldn't be... Well, if it's actual truth, which is... To all intents, it sounds like, like it, it is. Some this is all horrible alleged. American B-grade spy novel. That's yeah. the sort of thing. But you know the thing... Where's really... Gene Hackman? Like you're waiting for him to roll in the corner, aren't you? Really? <laughs> That's, now you're getting to down, in, down in the doldrums there, mate. Too far? Okay. One of the things that really troubles me about this is not... My, I'm not surprised at all that this has been um, uh, controlled, sanitised and controlled in a media sense in terms of the narrative of the West and the, the American empire and all that, the indifference of average punters is the thing that's really upset me about this. Yep. And upset not in the terms of there's heaps of shit to be worried about, but in terms of world events, if people aren't yet connecting the dots that the West are the, uh, pound for pound as big of villains as anyone as they paint their enemies to be, then mm. fuck's sake, we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Oh, there's a massive way to go. This whole good versus evil and which side are you on and all sure. that sort of bullshit. Everyone's as bad as everyone else and stop pretending that we're not. Well, we're, we're really, especially in Australia, we're, we're only at a early stages of evolution past colonialism, aren't we, really? You know, look, that's really... <laughs> we're still, we're <laughs> like, still right there. Well, we're still, we are. We haven't moved past it. We've, we're sort of like, stuck in that headache of it all, the hangover like at all. Three generations away from convicts that came here. Yeah, and only one generation like away from removing kids based on race from families. Like, that's just frightening that that's... You know, apartheid was still really a thing. What was, it, uh, what was the story you shared the other day on the... On the um, the page about the Olympic Games in nineteen was it sixty four oh. sixty eight or something like that, yeah. um, the Aussie guy who came second in the four hundred meters. Um, that I had heard the story, but I didn't really know much of the details, and I certainly didn't know the details that really should have known, especially around the the various points in history that followed after it. You know, like the two thousand Olympics, how he was shunned and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, basically, he took a, a an action within living memory at an Olympic Games and was ostracised because Australia had basically a white, white Australia policy at the time. You know, we really... We're slow to change, aren't we, you human yeah. beings? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Peter Norman, that's who, you, who you're talking about. So, uh, two... I'm not sure whether they were members of the Black Panthers or... or um, were involved with the Black Panthers, but two African American uh, sprinters came. Sympathisers came which first, is, which is really great. Mm. First and third, I think, and Peter came second. Yes, and ran the race of his life. Still the Australian record, I yeah, believe. to this yep. day. To this day, so hasn't beaten it. 
he 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 showed some solidarity with those guys on the podium. They raised their fists um, in the air in a salute to the Black Panthers, which was, uh, um, if you haven't researched Malcolm X, make sure you do um, because it's fucking well worth it. And he basically got ostracised for showing solidarity with those guys. He quali- then qualified for the next Olympics, like ran, I don't know, it was like 14 trials and beat everyone and they refused to send him. Um, because of what he did on that mm. podium that day, and really all he did was he wore a pin, really with a badge, of, yeah, was which a, was the. He, he, was got like him, a, he got on the gloves. Yeah, he got on the gloves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and it's like yeah. an athletes for human rights movement that he wore their logo, mm. the same as what the other uh, two athletes had on, um, and it's a great story, Peter Norman. I don't. Like, I didn't know anything about it until I seen it come up on the Young Turks page. It should have been in school. And I was like, holy shit, how did I not know about Peter Norman? What a legend. Even the statue at one of the universities um, in the States, they've got the the guys who came first and third. And where Peter Norman stands, he he asked that that was left free so that anyone could come and take his spot. And basically, you know, it was a way of... Uh, the legacy going on, not making it about him, but making it about someone else standing where, put themselves in the position he was. And I thought, far out, man, that's yeah. just incredible. Really, so they could go and get a photo taken and stand where he was, and and be stand in solidarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. That is the maddest shit ever. And I'm fully admitting that I'm um, on the bandwagon lately on this. I just oh. saw the the media thing, but fucking hell, these are the things that people need to pick up and run with and go. This is our heritage, not, mm. not this whitewash bullshit that exactly. we're fucking asked to believe. Yeah, that's that's good history. That's really something to be proud of as a as a country, as an inclusive country, really. And it yeah. wasn't until recently that the Olympic Committee, because he's passed away, sadly, I'm not sure when it was, but he's 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 passed away. It wasn't until recently to the Olympic Committee mm. apologised to his daughter mm. and admitted that they they ostracised him for that, even though they should have sent him. Posthumously, it was after yeah. his death, so yeah. he, he he died knowing that that the country he represented and put all the hard work and whatever had shunned him. Yeah. Isn't that with all the if when I've been unlucky enough to um, have to listen to all the filler in sports events when you've got the Olympics or some sort of championship or the Com Games or whatever, because the, the sports action only takes place for a few seconds and then the commentators mm-hmm. are forced to try and fill the air. Yep. Wouldn't you think it'd be fucking relevant that they've said there's this 200-metre record that stood since the 50s? Yeah. Wouldn't you think that would be fucking relevant? Well, at, at the 2000 Olympics... Sorry if they, I got that... No, that's, re, no, that's a bit spot on. It was 200 or 400 or whatever. But, but at the 2000 Olympics, they invited all the champions of past Olympics living to come back. And he was the only one who didn't get an invite for the, from the Australian group. In the year 2000. In the year 2000. Yep. So that recent... However, the Americans invited him. Yeah, the American because the of the whole you know, he was a hero in the American Olympic team. He was a fucking hero, like a legend of yeah. past of past. Like the civil races. rights movement in the US, yeah. like how good is this bloke? Every African American uh, athlete which wanted to shake his hand, have a photo, all this sort of celebrated individual. Yet I didn't even I was living in Sydney during the Olympics. I'd never even fucking heard of the guy. You know what I mean? That's that is just isn't it deeply scary? embarrassing. Isn't it? I know we give the American culture a touch up a fair bit on here um, because it it deserves it. Mm. But the fact that they're um, for all the faults of their mainstream culture that their human rights movement has 
transcended all the the nationality issue mm. and just gone this random white dude from australia did the business and yeah. gave him more credence in our fucking government in the year 2000 yeah recent what? yeah living memory yeah well it was living memory for me i never ever knew about it yep crazy that was a great story that and you know the subsequent articles that got posted up on that page yeah, it was awesome. Really good to read. There was details in there that were just fascinating. Yeah. There is, there is a documentary, but I don't know if there's ever been a movie as such made, but it's worthy of a movie. I'm amazed that it's never been, you know, one of those classic American movies with the, the big music and the sound and the whole bit, you know, <laughs> patriotic, patriotism type stuff. He yeah. deserves it. He does. Absolutely. He definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that happened. So, um, our mate... Nigel Scullion from our first episode, Michael. He's yeah. he's made a bit of a reappearance. Yes. I don't want to be a pain in editing, but can I just pull a segue on Saudi Arabia before we go to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got... Yes, go. <laughs> Not that we need it. We're, we're good. We've made How's those snags going? <laughs> really good. They've stopped sizzling. Yeah. yeah that's good. Are cool. they ready or what? I'm hungry. Yeah. Just spread over there. Go for your life, man. Um <laughs> So, we're uh, talking about Saudi Arabia and how basically their set of uh, their culture and their laws from a governing sense are in the Stone Age, and that is an absolute disgrace. But the West doesn't talk about them being um, raging Islamic lunatics because their powers and the oil keeps flowing. So, and they happen to buy a fuckload of arms off the West. And so they obviously get a, a leave pass with all that stuff. The other thing that is really troubling me at the moment internationally is Yemen. Um, the conflict that no one's talking about, the mainstream is not dealing with it at all. And although um, not taking any way, anything away from the armed conflicts, predominant armed conflicts in the... Nice one, Neil. In the, the 90s in places like Rwanda and Ethiopia, which led to massive um, starvation and, and loss of life, in Yemen at the moment, 50% of the population is at risk of starving to death. That is a real thing. And it is at the hands of Saudi Arabia, who is basically being used as a proxy in a war against them over some fucking nefarious disagreement. But get with the fucking program. We're talking about 15, between 15 and 20 million people are on the verge of starvation. Why the fuck aren't people... Is everyone across this? Well, I'd never... I wasn't aware of it. I mean, I knew there was issues and um, how the Saudis had recently got a huge amount of arms from the states and that did actually make the media. It was a bit of a, bit of a thing. It's like Which you're basically is... enforcing or condemning genocide in a, a neighbouring country, but it's escalated now to the point where people are on the verge of death. Sure, so it's been bad. It mm. was a couple of months ago, it was at the three or four million level, but the, the basically Saudis have blockaded the country and it's getting to fucking the worst case scenario down mm. there and it's really really fucking horrifying that the western media is not even it's not even a blip not even getting there because geographically they're on the the peninsula aren't they they're on that main peninsula that sort of encapsulates saudi arabia and across from iraq and all that or up down south of iraq is that right Near, yeah, it, yeah it shouldn't really need to be said by now um <laughs> for the the sharper minds is that conflicts on a, a big scale aren't really that accidental. It's either because of what you have in your country 
above ground, below the ground, or where your country happens to sit. See Afghanistan. That was Andy's place to put an oil pipeline and may have supported the pharmaceutical industries with a, a little bit of poppy. Um, similar in Yemen. Very, very uh, important geographical location and fucking disgraceful for my part. I'll shut up now, but disgrace that, that isn't being covered very widely. So they're basically at the... At the yeah, they're in a they're in a gun spot there, aren't they? Really, they're basically the the tip of the Arabian Sea. So perfect place to whack a port and pump your oil out is basically so, the, the the area there, isn't it? Yeah. So the war started out between. It's similar to what happened in Syria, isn't it, Mick? Where there was like a rebel uprising against the government. The rebels got backed by. Iran and the government has been backed by Saudi Arabia. So it's a. <laughs> oh my God! You just not did you just source all over my computer? I think you did. Cord, Um. Yeah. So the government's been backed by Saudi Arabia, and like the civil war has has erupted. But there's just like Mick said, there's like 15 million civilians just trapped in certain pockets that. Um, what I've seen is some of the, there's so many orphans. People have had bombs dropped on their houses. Um, I'm, I, I can't remember what the stat was of how many uh, innocent civilians have been killed through bombing raids and things of that nature. But there was pictures of kids that are, they're basically picking leaves off trees, boiling them up into like mash and eating them because that's the only thing they've got to eat and that's what's sustaining them at the moment. Fair income. It's fucking just putrid. And this is this is the sort of news that just never makes it to the mainstream, is it? Because it's got no direct impact on our daily life. It's not really going to affect trade, I suppose, because they're probably a low trade partner. Yemen, Saudi Arabia, it would, obviously, if there was someone invading Saudi Arabia, but Yemen's just sort of a non-issue country as far as... And that's, um, that's a good segue into, like, refugees. And obviously, Australia started to get some um, children off Nauru, but... People in this country, oh, refugees shouldn't be coming here, blah, blah, blah. It's like our fucking allies are creating this situation. Mm. These people have to go somewhere. If you're fucking mad about refugees coming here, you need to be marching in the streets saying these wars are fucked. Because I'll tell you what, if you someone drops a bomb on your house and destroys the fucking town you live in, you've got to go find somewhere to live. Mm. That's right. That's the only reason there's refugees coming to this country is because where they come from is fucking blown to bits and they need to get somewhere where it's a bit safer to live. And this whole bullshit fucking argument of, oh, but they had to cross three other countries to get to Australia and they've only come here because of our Centrelink, that just makes me want to fucking stab myself. It's (laughs) such a fucking ridiculous thing to say. Mm. When we're helping in wars like Iraq um, and Afghanistan and then you want to sook because those people want to come to Australia... Well, the classic I'm fucking example. sorry, but if you don't want them coming here, stop fucking bombing the fuck out of their country. Yeah, well, that's and the, and there's the classic examples that the guy um, ex general, well, he's fairly high up, oh. who the had his interpreter, who was doing a service to the Australian Defence Forces in Afghanistan, has obviously put himself at great danger by providing information to effectively the enemy of the Taliban. Needed to so was looking to seek asylum in Australia, and Dutton just kept refusing. His entry, and it's like fucking hell. And this guy, the the guy, the you know, he's getting very frustrated to the point where he was standing outside Dutton's office and saying, "Fuck, man, this guy should have an Australian medal of some sort, giving him an access to live in Australia. Should just be 
piece of piss. Yeah. And that was all happening at the same time as all the friggin' au pairs and all that sort of stuff. So clearly the currency weighs, you know, on where your connections lie and not actually what service you might or might not do to the country. Yeah. Absolutely. And Afghanistan's Thanks. like the Wild West till this day. And that's quite common. So anyone that helps the Allied forces over there has got a target on their back. Mm. And quite a few of them, if if they're in like some sort of administrative role within the government or like you said, in users as interpreters uh, for the Allied forces, heaps of them leave the country afterwards. It's like as soon as they sign up for that role, they have an exit strategy. And the book that I just read recently by Michael Hastings um, called The Operators went all through that. And um, yeah, locals... Just they know, like it's a death sentence. It's, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, righto. Yep. And it it doesn't matter what side you're on. Well, the, and that's the thing. I mean, if if you've if you if your country's war torn, even Iraq or any of the other places, you know, that Australians have gone into recently, East Timor, Somalia, wherever. If the people liberating the country and providing opportunities for locals against the oppressor, liberating uh, or whatever you want to call it, but seem to be the guys holding the gun and holding the um, the warlords at bay or whatever, are the Australian troops. And they go, fuck, we've got to get out of this country. Where are we going to go? Fuck, these, these Australians seem like a pretty good mob. We should go to that country. I mean, it's not a hard thing to understand that they might want to come here because we were the only ones who were there trying to help them out or maybe the Americans or whatever, but that's essentially what's going to happen, isn't it, really? The thing that is equally fucking maddening about this situation, we're talking about the Taliban doing this to people that are helping the... Coalition, whatever the fuck they call yeah. the, the West over there. Yep. In the 80s, the Taliban and the Americans <laughs> were powers fighting the Russians. Well, they, I've, I've seen Rambo, Michael. That's just... You know. <laughs> Even outside Rambo, it was, it was a thing. But um, fuck's sake, like it just shows you that war's a racket. Is, uh, I can't remember what the bloke's name was. It was uh, one of the highest decorated... I don't know if he was a general. In the, I think Smedley, someone was his name. Uh, American fella wrote a book decades ago called "War Is a Racket," and uh, mm. it it catalogued his. Basically, he'd been working at the behest of big business in armed conflicts through the twenties, thirties, forties, everything um, for decades, and just had enough mm. underneath. So um, it'd be a hard game to be in and actually sleep straight in your bed at night. And have really. a bit of personal integrity. Sure, oh. you could be trained to kill people of any colour, but to actually connect the dots and just go, why the fuck do these people have to die mm. um, and to leave the country fucked? So before I leave that one alone, um, it's the Saudi Arabian situation with getting a, a leave pass on basically being fucking pricks, and that's a massive understatement, obviously, but it's just the word I've used. A little bit like Israel. Um, oh, yeah. Powers with the right people, do what the fuck they want, run basic concentration camps in country that, as far as I'm concerned, isn't theirs. Um, a dusty old book gave them an idea that it was theirs and they've just fucking committed genocide ever since. Mm. Fucking disgrace. Similar to Saudi Arabia, give yourself a fucking triple both years. Well, that, yeah, I mean, and keeping in line with what's been happening in the last month or so since we've turned the microphones on... Scott Morrison thought it might be a good idea to move the embassy, oh. the Australian embassy. Like, apart from the significant cost and waste of fucking money moving an embassy is, the political optics of that are just fucking disastrous, unless you're really wanting to fucking get your head up Trump's ass as far as you possibly can. Worst, worst yeah, vote. Maybe pretty happy about it, weren't they? Worst vote grab ever. So the, the Before a by-election, yeah. Well, the issue is um, Wentworth has the highest 
uh, percentage of Jewish voters in the country. Yes. Oh. So it was just the most filthy, cynical attempt to shore up conservative votes prior to the by-election. Pretty st- fucked up. Pretty strange. I, I was in um, Coogee a few years ago for a wedding, and um, I'm pretty sure it's Saturday, the day they have their religious day, whatever, that's the day they all go to church. So where we were staying, well, actually where the wedding was, not far from the wedding, was a, um, a synagogue. And all everyone's turning up for church or whatever, mass, whatever they call it. Armed guards on the gate of the synagogue in suburban, suburbia, fucking Sydney. Armed guards. And we're not talking like holstered, but actually ready to fucking shoot. Yeah. Just that's the level of threat, perceived threat in that sort of environment. So, yeah, it's huge. Obviously, the, the money in Sydney rests on those eastern suburbs and Wentworth capsulates all of that, you know, all the beachside suburbs. But how, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. Australia's not an open carry type joint. In Sydney, New South Wales is different, completely different. Yeah, there's, there's security is allowed to carry guns in New South Wales. You can open carry if you work for an armed guard and things of that nature. Mm. You can get special licence. It's quite... Fuck, vis- that's exciting. Yeah, well, that's been... Well, see, I moved to Sydney in 98... And I saw that play out not far from where I lived, with where you know, certain establishments required security, and there was guys holding guns in the street on the footpath. And it was something that I'd never seen in Tassie. I'd seen security guards. I'd seen police walking around the street with guns. I'd never seen security guards walking around with guns. Yeah, yeah, very different world, Sydney. But yeah, that no, was a bizarre play out, wasn't it? Like literally the week of the election, I think it was on the Wednesday he made the call, Dave Sharma has some connection. With the whole... Um, well, Dave, Dave Sharma hasn't been back in Australia long. He was a diplomat in Israel. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Australia. Yep. And his name... And I'm not... Uh, I'm going to be very culturally insensitive with this because I don't know the ins and outs, but his name's not David. It's the Jewish variant, long version of David, but he calls himself Dave Sharma. Oh, to make a connection to the Jewish sure. community. Can you fucking Google it? Yeah, I can do that. Just I knew, so I, don't he's look got like a, a complete he, fucking asshole. No, no, that's it. But I, he's actually—I mean, not—I I could care less of his heritage. No, no, no but sure. He's, but just come out, just come clean. And the, the whole thing for me is, I don't give a fuck how Jewish he is. But the what was brought up was the embassy issue, and that was a filthy, cynical fucking. Same as the caring about the fucking droughts. All of a sudden, children aren't bored. Filthy attempt to shore up coalition votes prior to an election. Yeah, actually, I thought he was. Um, Indian or, or yeah, son of an Indian immigrant. I'm just really glad that um, who who was it that won the who won the seat? Who was it again? Oh, the Phelps. Yeah, Phelps. What's yeah. her name? Uh, Karen, Karen, Karen Phelps. Karen Phelps yeah. I'm just so glad that she won, and it really took you know that seat away from the conservative and yeah, the, first, the very first time some, since something different went in there other than what was already there. Yeah, but I'm how taking the, the massive piss. It's never been outside the Liberal Party since Federation. Well, she, yeah. was, she, tried, she, she was an ex-Liberal, wasn't she? Isn't she ex-Liberal? Yeah, she's conservative, so n- n- nothing, sort of. Nothing's changed. No, no that's exactly... She, it's that's that's the point I was yeah. very badly trying to make. Like, yeah. Nothing's changed in that seat. I know, they've kind oh, of got... We're, we're angry at the Liberal Party and you've just pretty much yeah. voted in another Liberal. Conservative light. Yeah. yeah that's what's, <laughs> you know, Liberal, li- liberal light. Yeah. There's a lot of 1984 in that, whereas uh, the mm. Ministry for Truth... Deletes all the things that they said about for anyone that's read 1984. Obviously, it's, I've got no fucking idea what you're talking about. Can you please? It's not a it's, long book. 
Can you read it? Because it is so fucking relevant to today. It is. George Orwell, 1984. You would have heard of George Orwell. It is, yeah, I'm writing it down as we speak. It is really, yeah, it's the end of the world stuff, but it's playing out. It was written in 1948. <clears throat> it is absolutely fucking ahead of its time. This is what Chomsky and those sort of guys basically mould their view of the world on and their optics and how they look at different things. Yeah. Yeah, so no, um, Dave Sharma, yeah, no, basically very... Um, He's been very busy. He worked as foreign affairs minister for um, Alexander Downer for a little while in um, as a legal advisor in Washington. He's been in high commission for Papua New Guinea. Well, it doesn't. It, just, it literally just says. Oh, yeah, no, there it is. Devon Devonand Devonand Dave in in you know hyphen um, Sharma. So he wasn't posted in Israel prior to coming back. Um, no, just sort of, I know there was some connection. I'm pretty sure he was a, he was working over there as something to do with an embassy, but here it's got him as working in Washington until 2009. Oh yeah, no, he was the ambassador to Israel. Yeah, he was, um, he was announced, replaced in 2017 when Canaan was, was appointed. But yeah, no, he worked over there as... So what, what are the odds of a fella like that being... Ambassador in Israel getting pulled back to pre-select in a well, device. it makes you wonder why they put him up into a seat that they knew they were going to lose. You know, like here this is a bit. They of a, didn't know they were going to lose. Well, they, they thought threw they were him gonna, in there because that that he was going to save this. It was seat. a last-ditch effort. That's the Jewish vote. Mm. Actually, this is something I didn't know. It says, 2014, in May 2014, Sharma caused a diplomatic incident by meeting with the Israeli Housing and Construction Minister. And Israeli government offices located in occupied East Jerusalem, resulting in a formal complaint from the chief Palestine UN negotiator to Julie Bishop. Didn't know about that one. Controversy. Which means he's full pro um, Israel. Yeah, yeah pro that's right. So he's gone back into a safe seat full of a, a very high density uh, Jewish population thinking that was going to be enough and when they did the pre-polling i suppose and they realized it probably wasn't they've gone for the next best thing and announced that hey let's remove our um embassy but they failed to realize that i think something like 50 or 60 percent of the electorate had pre-polled sure so that it was also um very high percentage of or above average percentage of lgbtiq uh, that's why they come out with that announcement about the the ability of institutions to hire and fire people that they fucking want. So they took try to take that the moderate line on that, mm. and people knew they were full of shit anyway. But yeah, months fucking cynical. A month's politics. a long time in politics, isn't it? I'd for, I'd for, I'd, that was big, but I've forgotten all about that. Yeah, and then they tried to try to put it on Labor, saying oh, it was a policy that Labor put forward, and blah blah blah. It's like fuck, who gives a fuck who put it up? Just fix the thing and get it done, basically. Yeah, no, there's a bit going on there, wasn't there? So I've, I've cut Clarky <laughs> off at the you knees did. about no. 10 minutes ago, and now <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about something oh. equally as bad, but it's on our doorstep, and oh. we are walking past it every day. So those peeps that may have been with us from the start will know that our first episode was on CDP, the Community Development Program, and the minister responsible for that uh, fucking disgrace and debacle... He's in a bit of hot water at the moment. There's an article in The Guardian today about what he's been up to, but basically there's funding that was earmarked uh, to help out our First Nations people that he's rerouted to lobby groups that are lobbying against land rights. So in the Northern Territory, 
if you think a land rights claim is going to affect your business, you can then lobby against that claim. And he diverted money that was earmarked. I, I mean, it, it, it couldn't get any more fucking disgraceful. That was earmarked to help out the Indigenous people. He's diverted money away from them to people that are fighting land right claims. Guess what the only thing worse than that is, Clarky? CDP. The Libs putting up Tony and Tony Abbott as the Indigenous oh, envoy. Fucking no. I shouldn't laugh. That is so fucking cruel it's to the Indigenous people. That fucking dickhead having any sort of ability to directly influence the welfare of Indigenous people is so f- distasteful. It is sick. M- most um, of recent, what I've seen in the media is a, a lot of elders and that just don't want to meet with him. Don't bother coming here. We've got, you've got nothing to say to us. Fucking don't bother. And we, you can't blame them. Which one's that? I'd be horrified if anyone did when the, the Libs have appointed Tony Abbott. Be very careful with that, Neil. <laughs> um, <laughs> the exploding tomato sauce. It's all safe. The Libs appointed Tony Abbott as the uh, Indigenous envoy there, pal. Did you, did you, you see his comment this week? pretty tasteful. Oh, that they should be... Thankful for surviving. I oh, appreciate... Um, Putting up with the invasion or something along those lines. You see that today? What? Oh, fuck. I'll look it up. I'll Are you look for it up. real? No, I'm serious. It was a, another Abbott faux pas. Good old Uncle Tone. Tolerating the invasion, I think it was. Something invasion, invasion. I'll look it up. He is a suppository of all wisdom, though. <laughs> oh, he's putrid. He sticks, so... he sticks wisdom up his bum. Yeah, that's his quote. Thank you for putting up. With the invasion, Abbott tells an Indigenous community was the headline on SBS yesterday. Yeah. No way. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Another Abbott faux pas, basically. Mm. Was, he, is, was he being like a smart cunt? No, he, no, he, no. He was just one of the things that so he, he sort of... So he was trying to be sincere. Off the cuff, yeah. yeah. He's such a fuckwit. You what don't know what cunt. context. I, c- I can't pick the... Con- I know that that is a shit thing to say anyway. Yeah. Even if you're nuanced on it. But what is his context? Oh, yeah, from any level of intelligence, why would he actually say something like that? But what, what do you go, oh, yeah, oh, for this and this reason? But he's a fuckwit. What would, how could he possibly bed that down and say something that Indigenous people are actually going to want to hear? No, exactly. Yeah, I don't think it won him any rounds of applause, put it that way. Tony, give yourself a triple. You're give yourself, you are rubbish. Give so, yourself a shirt front. So have you been talking about, um, just while I've exited the shed, for... Um, a relief stop. But you've been talking about Nigel Scullion. Is yes. that, that him? Yeah, right. With yeah. his fishing party and yeah. giving funds and all yeah. that. Yeah, Diverting funds away from the needs of um, First Nations people to help uh, lobby groups lobby against land right claims. That's it. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Fucking just putrid. Well, the research I did into um, CDP and the department's implementation of that whole debacle of a program, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. When you look at what CDP is and how it was developed, it was fucking putrid. No consultation. Mm. They've, they've had plenty of time and reviews into it to go, you know, this isn't working, we need to fucking pull the pin. But out of, I don't know, ego and, or embarrassment, they haven't, and it's still going to this day. It's just fucking slave. It's slavery. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually diverting funds... Uh, this month, it's been the flavour of the month this month, hasn't it? Really, the um, diverting funds from NDIS to drought relief. I mean, how the fuck? No way. Fuck, now, are yeah. you guys just going to go stupid, like full stupid? You know, it's. Oh, 
They, the cartoon, um, I shared it on Facebook today, had a picture of Morrison basically uh, mugging a guy in a wheelchair for his cash and running off with it, which is basically what they've done. They had, I mean, like, fuck. drought relief on the bag or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, fucking hell, man. So, to, re- to recap on that bad boy, the whole feigned concern from the Conservatives about or how this whole drought issue came out of apparently out of space is there's been a dry spell on for years in the background. Mm. Um, the government didn't give two fucks about it. Barnaby Joyce, their poster child, or the national Liberal Nationals <laughs> poster child, got into a which bit of is trouble. Terrifying poster child, yuck. <laughs> um, so he's done nothing on his watch because he was shit faced ninety eight percent of the time. <laughs> Now, after they... What was the catalyst for that? It was the dual citizenship, and they, they had the... Re, sure. So, sorry, recapping, because it <laughs> seems like it's been forever. Mm. They had an issue with firming up the national vote, the farmers' vote. So then they've gone on this massive righteous crusade about, we're going to help out the farmers. That's fine. Anyone that needs help deserves to get help. We have plenty in this country, and yeah. I don't care which side of the spectrum you sit on. However, it's known that farmers have assets and they're valuable assets and they export 70 percent of what they grow but they want us to be sympathetic and think that the 58 hours a day that they work is designed to just help out everyday australians clearly it's not Mm. clearly they're gaming the international markets to make money and the fact that those payments to farmers weren't even means tested it's just a a cash cow to try and buy themselves votes Mm. so it's a it's a shit show from the start it was pretty terrible the i mean the the fact that you can hold on to, and I understand the need to hold on to your, your good breeding cattle, obviously, and feed your breeding cattle. But you know, there's f- farmers out there. And I'm not blaming the farmers. It's the fact that they're getting funding to support this practice while other people are homeless is the problem I have. How and about we stop calling them farmers and just start calling them businessmen? Businessmen, that's right. Sure. The, the farmers has a romantic term to it. It's like fucking you one yeah. step off Banjo Patterson, basically. Like yeah, you don't, absolutely. you don't fucking shit talk of farmer but they're sitting on you know five ten million dollars worth of cattle that they're not sending to market to recoup some losses they're holding on to because they're good breeding stock and it's like fuck. but getting you know money from the government to prop up the business plus convoy after convoy because people have been buying fucking chicken parmigianas at the local pub and you know what i yeah, mean but like, i don't have i don't have a problem with giving them a hand but then at the same time you then can't turn around and fucking rag on people that are on new start no for not having a go it's a yeah. so, it's a socialist thing so you can't be anti-socialist and then say oh no we've got to help the farmers out it would be know, good if we all just helped each other out basically at the end be, of the day it would be fantastic yeah. and it's um Mick a way, and I a way more this. direct there's there's millions of ways you can coin this but a way more direct one would be Instead of business owners in hospitality feeling sorry for business owners that live on a farm yeah. and sell things for profit, would be to say, let's have Palma for a homeless and literally cook a fucking Palmy and give it to a homeless person. There's a good idea. Yeah, but they there were doing that at the RSL, weren't they? The Glenorchy RSL for a little while. I don't know. Were how. they? Yeah, yeah. For the, because the, everyone was out at the showgrounds until the show turned up and then they had to kick them all out, but... I reckon the uh, Hospitality Association would have rang them up and said, what are you doing? You're devaluing the... Uh, <laughs> our... It's true. Well, Well, yeah. I don't know if it's true, That's but well, I but no, but it, it would have it, happened. It would have, yeah. That would definitely be what they'd be thinking. Yeah, I mean, we've touched, we've touched on it before. If you're going to have a socialist attitude, stop picking and choosing. If you're going to mm. help out someone that's got millions of dollars worth of assets because they're coming into a rough time because of drought, 
then how can it be a bad thing to help out the poorest people in the whole country? Mm. These are the poorest people. Because politically they like to... Because it's, it's all about who's perceived to be above you and what you should be aspirational for as opposed to who should be below you and who you should give a kick in the guts on your way past because it's a character assessment and clearly they're not trying hard enough. You know, like every time I see a Ferrari go past or a fucking Porsche or something, it's a car I should have. You know, if I just fucking pulled my finger around and had a bit of a go <laughs> at the end of the day. And that's, um, fuck. And that, yeah, it fucking just drives me insane yeah. when, when we think that everyone starts from the same position <clears throat> and everyone has the same opportunities. It's complete fucking bullshit. Not in the current, not in the current sphere not- with the world we live in. In times gone by, in different sort of cultures, yes, everyone, but no one was aspiring not- to be better than anyone else. It was but just. It's, it's more, it's like. Oh, well, we all live in the same country. We've all got access to education. Um, that's the healthcare system, this, that, and the other. So, therefore, everyone should be able to start from the same position. But I'm fucking telling you, the kids that I've dealt with through foster care and the culture that they grow up in and the environment they grow up in, they're not fucking starting from the same position. Mate, if you look at education, for one, the, the guys and girls who attend, say, I don't know, Jordan River High School, for example, Bridgewater High School, don't have a, um, a yachting program in the same way that Hutchins do, for example. So no. we're literally 10, 20 kilometres away from each other, but clearly different level of education standards being applied. Both governments subsidise... But I, the opportunities for one as opposed to the other is I'm not different. Gonna, did you have to? But I, I'm, well, I'm not it's gonna, a, somewhere but, I, I don't always like to go because it's controversial because it's seen as a way of giving your kids a good chance and a leg up. But, but it's not It's not the quality of the education, Neil. You can go through the public system and get a great education oh, yeah, and go yep. on and be whatever it is. Yeah, I know, two, two it's doctors the have gone It's the environment at home mm. where they come from before they go to school and where they go back to after school yep. that affects their ability to take advantage of when they actually do go to school sure. to learn and all that shit. I mean, when you've got shit going on at home because the environment that you've grown up in has perpetuated a fucking a bad place to be, mm. when you're at school, your fucking full attention probably isn't on learning and getting an education. Absolutely, especially if you're hungry, for example. And that's, and that's yeah. the whole point. We say, oh, everyone's got the same starting point and there's opportunities and you can go to Bridgewater High and, and learn. Yeah, of course you can. There's the ability there to go and do that. But when you're struggling to fucking survive because of where you come from, and this isn't a slight on that people from um, those neighbourhoods, they've been forced into that situation. Mm. It's, it's fucked. Well, it's a lottery of Intergener- birth, isn't it? It's a lottery. It's well, intergener- intergenerational fucking welfare dependency has bred this environment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, who, well, I was, it's a lottery of birth, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, we just you were lucky or unlucky, depending on the parents who brought you into this world, really. And that's, for anyone to think they've got a position to judge other people based on whatever outcomes they've achieved or whatever in their life, it's fucking bullshit, And really. that's... Yeah, that's all segued from segued into from this whole farmer argument and things of that nature. Of if we're going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars helping out farmers that are already, you know, that potentially have millions of dollars worth of assets and probably mm. are doing all right. Yes, their business their business is struggling at the moment because of the drought and whatever. Why aren't we spending billions of dollars trying to lift the living standards of the poorest people in this country that rely on New Start and Centrelink and things of that nature? Because 
those billions of dollars that we spend to improve their living standards are going to be offset through the fucking health system and through the uh, justice system. We're going to save that money because we mm. won't be spending it in there because they're not going to be worrying about fucking where their next milk's coming from or all that sort of bullshit. Yeah. It's all ass a fucking bout. Yeah, we misses worked in um, preventative health uh, in the Queensland government prior to uh, Newman getting in. So it was all preventative stuff. So she was part of going to schools and teaching them about dental care with a dentist and all this sort of stuff, all that sort of stuff that contributes to reducing the cost on the taxpayer as time goes on. Yet Newman gets in all gone, literally the whole, every single, every single... That's good economic management though, Neil. So out of the seven or eight sort of girlfriends she had from uni who all went into the same public health sphere, like preventative health type stuff, every single one of them lost their job. Every single one of them. Well, that's just one small little group. But, yes, yeah, good social policy, all that sort of stuff. It's proven time and time again in good countries. Iceland's a good one recently with um, tackling uh, youth uh, alcoholism and drug abuse and all the rest of it by putting in good programs and good spaces for, that kids want to go to and not be bored and like, ah, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? Just get pissed and whatever, to fill in their time, they've actually got stuff to do. So, yeah, good preventative social policies from a government level have huge impacts and on... A, um, and also sending bankers to jail. That's a good policy. That's not a bad one either, and it sort of fits in with their whole outlook that's on life, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I don't... I think they, were, they pretty much stood alone, didn't they, that whole global financial crisis. So many... Um, it was more than one or two. It was like four. 20, four. 26 or Yeah, something. bankers were sent for poor practices. Not so much in the US. I actually, I don't know why, I started watching that, the second Wall Street, the follow-up one, Wall Street, whatever it is, the one, the second one that they did recently, and that covered that financial crisis. I've got a real, um, I know we've been speaking about it offline, about the state of world finances, and there's a fair bit of talk around because of all the stimulus money that's been pumped in as credit and giving people access to credit. Once um, there becomes a need to put the brakes on that process... And once you raise interest rates to slow that process down, uh, that's going to basically head towards a bit of a cliff because wages haven't risen and you don't need to be a fucking genius to figure out that if people have uh, leveraged debt against something and they don't have an additional ability to pay, a proportion of those people are going to fall off the cliff and that leads to default. The fucking terrifying thing that someone that was reasonably switched on said in an opinion piece was... There was a bit of a... In October, there was a bit of violence in the markets, right? Mm-hmm. And there, then it had this recovery. But there was... <laughs> one of these industry insiders actually said, when, that, when it's announced that things are about to go to shit, because of what happened with the GFC yep. and the government bailing out the banks, the banks actually... Shareholders, because it's just seen as mapping out what's happened in history... Shareholders got excited by that and boosted the market because they know that if it goes to shit... They'll get bailed out. There's a chance that oh. taxpayers will bail out their fucking shareholders. Mm, unless they're with the wrong bank that has Actually gets, goes given, yeah, gets given the optics of going up. And it's literally... Well, the way this movie I was watching the other night portrayed it was the, the powerful men in the room with the Fed basically decided who was going to go down and who was going to stay up, stay alive. That was sort of the way all that panned out but yeah it's basically happening isn't it i mean the house prices in sydney have come down 10 percent, which is no small margin it could probably come down a whole lot more like closer to 100 percent or you know <laughs> it would be a lot better but at least 50 
um, before you're starting in, get into the realm of what someone could actually afford to pay or justify the rent on. I mean, even rent, I don't know how anyone actually holds... Shelter shouldn't be a fucking investment. Well, sure. the basics, food, clothing and shelter shouldn't actually be a commodity that's traded for profit, really, I don't think, and personally. I'm in saying that because I have an investment property. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you learn these things at different stages of your life, don't you? Like, it wasn't a lesson taught at school. Socialism wasn't taught at the high school I went to, really. It was skipped at some point. <laughs> no, it was all raging aspiration. Yeah. Go to school, try hard. Get a good job. Yep. Do as you're told. Learn to basically repeat back what you've been told. Get a good job. That's your life. Don't question fucking anything. As soon as you do, you're sent to the principal's office, aren't you? Sure. Yeah, basically. So we referenced Malcolm X. Yes. Before. Oh, man. We are listening to um. Can we take? Speeches. Can we rip that off as our slogan? I know that we'd be underselling it, but fuck me. Well, he said something that I reckon probably got him shot, which was, <laughs> we're going to fight white capitalism with black socialism. Perfect, yeah. Yeah, that would put a target on your back, I reckon. But he, that was <laughs> it's like very a, accurate. That but was <laughs> after he talked about, you know, workers and businesses and making money and generating and like mm. talking about the capitalist system. He's saying there's no point the black man doing the same thing. No, that's we right. We need to fight white capitalism with black socialism. And Looking sure, after each other. Yep. Mate, that is such a massive, powerful idea mm. that they would have been gunning for him since then. He's a, he's a threat to their system, basically, yeah. We, same as... Um, Martin Luther King, we listened to, we were out on the road the other week doing a bit of a statewide trip and listened to some Malcolm X speeches. Yeah. And about five minutes into these hour-long, very well-put-together speeches they were, we were just like, no wonder this bloke got shot in a racist capitalist country like mm. America at that time. Not only just telling it how it is in clear terms, but also nailed the religious side of himself because he was Muslim. Openly Muslim. Who, uh, Luther, Martin Luther King? Malcolm, no, Malcolm X. X was. I knew, yeah, yep. And, but he was moderate. And he said, I'm a Muslim because I think it makes me feel good and good for me. Go and do whatever the fuck you want. I'm a happy Muslim. You can be a happy Christian. Our bigger issue, everyone, is capitalism. Yes. So he was uniting different religions, mm, different dang. colors, against the prevailing economic system. The- no, the industrialists would have got very upset. The Rockefellers, oh. the you know, the whole gamut of those ultimately rich and powerful people would not have been happy. And he was he was militant about it. He mm. was very um, very strong. And about five minutes in, you get that shiver down your back, going, "No wonder," because you know, obviously, he ultimately was assassinated. Yep. No wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, and then you've got Martin Luther King, who was a pacifist. But he was advocating for... I hate how they're both... Sorry, there's a digression. The Black Panthers, uh, Malcolm X, all their followers, uh, Martin Luther King, how it's branded as civil rights. Because that's, that's herded into a conversation about uh, race or colour. Right. Whereas... One-dimensional. If you look at what they're actually advocating for, it was uniting everyone that wasn't rich mm. for a better life. So yep. they were advocating openly for socialism. Yep. And Martin Luther King, even though it's not um, widely talked about, he talked about UBI, Universal Basic Income. Yeah, right. Yeah. F- it's fucking intense. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. But Actually, isn't it, a, yeah. is it funny? They're like, oh, this is, there was this black guy and he was talking about civil rights and it, it sort of went away and Malcolm X and they, this stuff happened and then well, it all went away. It's bullshit. It is. The, the way the media ends up telling history is obviously heavily influenced by the powers that be at the time. Uh, speaking of good podcasts and so on, there's a few going around. 
Um, there's one called... Uh, I don't know any. No. <laughs> there's a uh, working class history. You, you've come across that one at all? Yeah, I've, I've seen the Facebook page and, and they're con- like have daily. They, have they got a potty? They've got a podcast. I what? didn't. Yeah, I didn't know what? about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I listened to... They've got a bit of a series at the moment going on about the Vietnam War. Oh. Kind of coincides loosely with uh, the... David Byrne documentary, which took about 15 years to put together. It's about 12 episodes, heaps of colour footage, never seen footage and all this sort of stuff. Really interesting and interviews with vets and stuff like that. But um, for the one part of the 10-part podcast series, they got Noam Chomsky in. And and it, it was probably the best breakdown of what was actually trying to be achieved and what whether the outcome was actually a success or not. And from his position, the way he looked at the war... Um, the success, the Vietnam War was not a failure at all. It was an absolute um, roaring success. In fact, they could have got out several years earlier and it still would have been a, a roaring success because of the intent of the whole campaign was to disrupt Indochina. They, they, that was the whole... They were resource-rich in those sort of areas. There was a lot of potential for Japan to become head up that area and have all the same sort of imperialist problems that were going to happen in Second World War on that side of the planet and the threat to Australia and all the resources that Australia had that were heavily owned and tied back to the UK and and Australia and, and the US. And again, so he was asked to comment on the um, on the documentary, the Burns documentary, and he said, yeah, well, that's the, that's the standard understanding of the Vietnam War. It was a failed tactical war and we lost. But he said the reality was we won gloriously. You know, well, not the US people, but the industrialists, the people with the money, they sure. won massively. They, their interests were safe in those areas and were then free to go in and exploit after the war, which they did. Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't really ever about winning it. It was about prolonging it. Yes, yep. And trying to make <clears throat> give it legs and you can't sell guns to people that aren't fighting. Yeah, exactly, yep. Yeah, and the disruption spread through the whole area, right through in Indonesia, and we know... You know, the recent successes uh, financially Australia's had, well, certainly for the certain interests with, you know, East Timor and various mines that run in, um, you know, off uh, West Papua and all these sort of places. A bit of gas. A little bit of gas, a little bit of oil that we don't see as Australians cheaper prices for, but do go to Japan and, and all these sort of places very cheap. Yeah, it's crazy. And they don't pay tax and not likely to for a while even though the current policy that was announced yesterday i think they're going to try and get another six billion out of the oil companies did you see that one pop up and so i said oh wow six billion dollars that's amazing that's, like a fucking, <laughs> that's a fucking gold coin donation it is isn't it compared to the billions like the hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars trillions of dollars they must have extracted over the years and not paid three-fifths of fuck all Oh. I didn't. I didn't intend to get upset tonight. I was, oh. feeling, I was on a high. It's Saturday it? night. We're not. You're not supposed to get this angry, but it can happen. We're, it can on, ha- we're in prime time here. <laughs> prime time slot. <laughs> no one's thinking about work tomorrow. I'm not on call. It's good. Sweet UFC's on tomorrow. Is it? Yep. Main you- event DC versus uh, the Black Beast. Are you it's watching it at home, or are you going to the pub, no, or going to um, going to a mate's place? Oh yeah. Um, yep. Pay per view. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't intending. I didn't even know it was on. I rang him up about something else. And he said, oh, I'm putting the fight on. I'm like, Who, who's fighting? And he said, uh, DC and the Black Beast. And I said, oh, sweet. I'll come around then. So I'm going to do that. One thing I think I heard this week, Neil, was the, I think it was the ANZ Bank, was talking about their profits they've made this year. It was 
I don't know, $6.4 billion or something or whatever it was. It's not bad. And they were talking to their CEO and he's talking about they're endeavouring to do the best job they can of paying back the $240 million they robbed <laughs> from their customers through, you know, the bullshit no-fee-for-service crap. Well, at least they're trying. But um, there's no blow-up in the media about that. And Mick and I talk about how language is used to either inflate or deflate a situation. Imagine if a union got done for stealing $240 million of its members' money. Oh, yeah. And misappropriating it and doing something. It'd be on every front page. Well, it'd be deregistered overnight. It'd be fucking just horrendous. But yet, a bank can do this and no one bats an eyelid. I mean, the Royal Commission's... um, Doing the business, but at the end of the day, if no one goes to jail, it won't have been a success. It will have exposed a lot of things. Mm. But if people aren't going to jail, but where's it, the disincentive? But it hasn't exposed enough. I mean, people still don't really realise that something like forty percent of Australia's GDP is the banking industry. The finance, no, nothing is actually created. No, no, no f- one, tangible no, physical thing. No one's making anything. It's just. Money that's been traded backward and forth, created artificially, legally, counterfeit money, all this sort of stuff. And, and fucking, it's that part of the whole Royal Commission. You know, the opposition, the, the Labor Party didn't jump on it. No one's jumped on it. Not even really the Greens uh, so, jumped yeah. on it. It's like, man, here's your opportunity to give the banking industry a massive kick in the ass and send it back to the 70s, basically, prior to all this bullshit. You know, I mean, they're always doing it, but not at the levels they've been doing since the 70s when... You know, these packaged home loan investment schemes and all this sort of bullshit started popping up. It's gone. It's been and gone, done and dusted. No one went to jail. few fines, arbitrary fines that could be covered in a day's trading on um, on the stock exchange. And it's that's it. History. Done. Everyone's sorted. It's, it's pretty disheartening sometimes when you think about how we're all caught in this scam of a mortgage and mm. how the only reason you ha- your mortgage is what it is is because of interest-based money and people... Would, really wealthy people uh, that are shareholders in banks and bank CEOs and things of that nature are making billions of dollars a year from just the likes of you and I because of the interest we have to pay on our mortgage. It's fucking putrid. Imagine if that anchor was lifted. Well, the interest is the the killer, but just even the debt concept is enough for them to make a fortune off. They don't need the interest. The interest is just the top up. That's the that's the missing chair in the musical chairs, isn't it? Really, like that's the one that it ultimately puts makes people homeless in our society. And the right in politics get to give a free kick and say that you know these are the people that you don't end up like. They're of poor character. They didn't try hard enough. When the system was rigged against the person with the least opportunity to um, achieve anything, the disabled, the handicapped, the mentally unwell, all that sort of stuff. They're the people who will find themselves in the gutter on their ass and it really doesn't matter how socially progressive the current system goes that outcome will always occur in different degrees and sure if there's better systems we might there might be more people willing and having the time and resources to to help and prevent but uh, under a set of laws that uh is guided by the market system the free market system yeah it's always you rely on more on regulation than you do on a market then you you'll you can start to correct that. Mm. But if you just say, oh, we'll leave it up to the market, everyone is just in complete fucking obedience and worship of the market system, both mm. all sides of politics. No mm. one goes there. The reason why they haven't done what they needed to do on the banks 
is because it's all a big house of cards. The interest-based money system is a big house of cards mm. based on shareholding and profit and the way the market holds value to certain things. If they do what they need to do, the whole system comes down. Because mm. once people, same as the GFC, once people realise that houses aren't worth fucking <laughs> 500 grand, it's just bricks and mortar and some fibro, mm. then it's that's what sent everyone crazy. Mm. It's, yes. It's, oh, sorry. The price sorry, is I'm just, No, no, but it I'm, is. My brain's leaking a bit, but <laughs> it's just fucking... It's really annoying because that's where we, we get to. Yep. Banging our head against a fucking wall. Well, you get you get a bit, bit inspired, don't you? Like a Royal Commission gets announced. You know the terms of reference have been written by the bank, so you, you know there's going to be limited scope. But either way, you know some good, juicy stories of poor behaviour is going to be coming out of these things that should be jumped on, really. Media left... Oh, they reported on it. But there was no outrage. There was no sort of... Nothing was hyped up. It was toned down. So what was Jonesy you know, saying about it? Too, well, what too was Jonesy big, doing about it? Too big to fail. So yeah. when people go, oh, well, banks are big. Um, we have to have banks. Well, banks, have, banks have money. When they're That's in their, people's yeah. sort of view of it. Mm. Then what, are we gonna, what does life look like without big banks? Because banks have said, oh, if you don't keep scratching our back, then we're going to, you know, there's going to be lightning thrown down at you. And people are fearful of the unknown. Someone, a good leader, would have been able to walk the walk that walk mm. the public through coming out of the current system we're in. Yeah, really just yeah. said, look, this is the reality. There's going to be people could lose their jobs. There's going to be a loss of value of assets in the short term. We can deal with all those things, but the reality is that even if banks go the way of the dodo and and value of perceived value of assets or commodities fall life will go on and it's going to proportionally it is going to affect low-income earners less the mm. people with the most to lose are the shareholding class and fuck them yeah exactly yeah, exactly if you're, you're talking about stones. wealth distribution no, i'm there. just saying elite, yeah, like yeah. neil said when a leader could stand there and say well yeah. this is what it means for our country where mm. they could literally say based on s- statistics which they could find easily the easily. census or whatever thing yep. they'll go 65 percent of this country is not really going to fucking lose any sleep over this. Mm. Well, that's the reality and of... so be it. Whatever it, it is, I don't know what the number... It'd be far higher than that, well, I suspect. The best example of that argument was um, Bill Shorten had a crack at attempting to take the public through that narrative with... Negative the, gearing. Well, negative gearing was one, and the, the credit, uh, dividend imputation scheme, whereby you know people who've got shares in companies that get dividends, and they've tax or has or hasn't already been paid by the company and, and they get credits. And in some cases, we're getting credits beyond, you know, the, the dividend itself and all this sort of fucking nonsense. The only people who had access to that sort of opportunity were people who had direct shareholdings, like outside of superannuation funds. And we're talking about, like, less than 5% of the population. It's a very small number of people. The bulk of Australians don't have spare coin to be f- speculating on the share market. But it costs us billions. It costs it's, it's huge. Yeah, it would say it was something like six billion dollars a year on forward estimates it would save. Huge amount of cash, massive amount of money could be spent on hospitals, whatever. But the fucking grey haired brigade supported by conservative right wing shot jocks got in there, made a heap of noise, and it was enough noise for everyone to go, Oh no, it's probably not a good idea. But the bulk of people going, Oh, it's not a good idea. It will never affect them. No, sure. <laughs> they and, and they probably didn't even understand what it was in the... It was yeah. double dipping. Well, as, they say, as soon as you start talking about shares, imputations, dividends, whatever, people have switched off until they hear the word, oh, and this week's game's in the footy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sure. it's just too fucking... No one gives a fuck. 
the a real good case in point was you've nailed it there. One of the the memes that was used by let's call them ordinary people that aren't share <laughs> investors that are making huge bulk coin off someone else's work. Mm. I think their name was Gene. Anyway, they wrote into the editor saying, "Oh, this is fucking outrageous." I. <laughs> I um I'm a retiree and I draw $160,000 from the current scheme blah 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 and it's how am I supposed to live a year <laughs> sure 160 just think about how wealthy they are asset wise oh. if they can draw $160,000 tax free well, even if it was re- through this system even if it was I oh, know oh, even if it was yeah and that's that would only be part of their earnings yeah so how are they going to afford, you know, the, the annual membership to the um, the opera uh, club and the the you know bloody Sydney Opera House club Society? Tasmania. Or, yeah, Tasmania Club. Yeah, there's one. I don't know what the memberships there worth. As a side note, that venue was came up on the ACTU's list of uh, penalty rate. They pay penalty rates. Very supportive of, of penalty rates thing. Yeah, for real, for real, Tasmania Club. And I sent the. Facebook administrator a, um, a message on thing and he goes oh no I guess I looked I double checked it and um, no they're very supportive of, of paying uh, penalty rates it's, it's amazing the areas you get the support from I'm like geez that doesn't sound right at that, all there's a, a pub called the Tasmanian Inn oh maybe that was it oh and they would be because they only opened they yeah right gotcha maybe I they got it confused if- that's in Argyle Street I think yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Cam- Campbell, Campbell Street. Street. Yeah, Campbell oh, Street. Campbell. Campbell and Warwick or Patrick, one of those two. Yeah, yeah. For our, our mob of listeners that are in Hobart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for everyone else going, who fucking cares? <laughs> no, one, no one likes us. Yeah, but the Tasmania Club is like the club for wealthy landowners and old money, basically, isn't it? Your political families, Hodgmans, all those sort of guys, they'd be members. I reckon. They carve up all the, the potential um, investment opportunities that Tasmania throws their way. Hazel Brothers. But the, well, the power industry, yeah. Yep, yeah. That's one. Jeez, that's, that's an evolving landscape at the moment, isn't it? Oh. I should, I've really got to bring up... I'm going to bring it up, and then we might play it if we're going to get back onto um, the power industry at any one point. But even just for the comic purposes, Scott Morrison... Um, Scotty. Yeah, he... Fair Dinkum Power. Fair Dinkum Power. I've got to look it up because it's a classic. Fair Dinkum. He Rat got Fair Dinkum Power. I should. We've got to stop calling it dispatchable. What are we going to call it? Yeah, it was it's trending because it's like 240 posts just today. So everyone's kicking, throwing their kicking their guts to uh, where is it? Fair Dinkum Power. I tell you, a party that I've been following on uh, social media that seems to be doing the business is the Victorian Socialist Party. They've um, risen to some serious prominence in this election campaign that really only started last weekend, didn't it? Like oh, it's... I, um, I've been following a fair bit of their stuff and listening to uh, podcasts with, uh, what's, what's his name, Jolly, the guy that they're trying to get in to state parliament. Was it Richard? Yeah, don't know the name, but yeah, I know. know. Um, but yep. um, I liked what he had to say; it was really good. But he's um, also said that if he Stephen Jolly, sorry, that's his name. If he gets elected, he is going to only accept um, eighty-five grand a year because that's what a worker's on. Yeah, um, the average worker in in Vico, and uh, yeah, donate the rest. Yeah, I saw that. That's because that's it's one hundred and eighty, I think, for a normal member of parliament, and if you're um, a minister or a shadow minister, it's up around 300, which I know there are some jobs. And, then, you know, like you can you can do, you can be on a, a slightly above average hourly rate 
and work on a decent construction site, especially if it's remote, like I did in WA, and you can make, you know, 200 grand close to it or more based on the fact you're working big hours and all the rest of it. So, yes, some of, these, of hours. some of these politicians, it's the good ones especially, probably worth every cent, probably more, to be honest. Mm. But 300000 you get, yeah, exactly, it's debatable. And at the end of the day, it's a public servant's position. So it's not, why your motivation shouldn't be, I'm money. going to become a politician because I can make good money being a politician. And good pensions and, and all the rest of it. And that's one of the things yeah. that fucking shits me. When I politicians think, go, oh, if I worked in the private sector, I'd be on the... It's like, well, fuck off to the private sector. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You're and give a job be, to someone who wants to do it for the right reason. Well, and there's the meme that comes up from time to time, and it's usually Brom Bishop, poor old Bronnie. Oh, she, gets, she gets put up as one side and the other. It's usually an old digger. Um, who's a pensioner on, yep. you know, I don't know, what is a hundred and something dollars a week or maybe $200 a week, yep. and she's on 600 and something dollars a week, no, and she doesn't need a cent of it, you know. Oh, is it? A day. I think it's a day, Yeah, mate. probably. Fuck. Because she was, well, she was the um, speaker, I suppose. Yeah. She gets an additional 150 or something like that, maybe, because... <laughs> She did most such a good bias, job. Most biased people. Oh, I might. She so didn't. She what just might have ejected a few people, one or two from the Labor Party. Fucking yeah. Shit on you. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the mashups are gold. Oh mate, pensioner, yep. fifty-seven bucks a day. Oh, you've got it. Awesome. Bronny, yeah. six hundred and ninety-eight a day. Oh, she was probably worth it. Hide and seek for three and a half grand a week, you beauty. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Caesar salad if you want me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, gonna grab I'm, going about, I'm going about to hit the pause button yeah, and pause. eat. Have a breather. Put some music on. Right, eh? We're back on, are we? We're not cooking. You've turned the um, turned the frying pan off, Mick. Right, awesome. I think I'd like to play the um, Juice Media's film yes. clip. The Timor-esque the, or Timor-lest yes. or whatever it is. Yes. Yeah, yep, I think I'd sure. like to play that for the listeners. Yep, definitely. Because it's pretty good. Do it. Do it. That that um that chick that's the presenter, she's so good. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones going around at the moment. Um is it uh, Jan uh, Jan Fran or whatever it is? She's quite quite clever in some of her Yeah, that's her. This is the um, unofficial from the government type ones, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's yeah. From honest yep. just honest government. Honest, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> she just nails it, it's so awesome. Visit Timor-Leste, Australia's favourite neighbour. No, that's Bali, dickhead. East Timor, home to Virgin Islands, golden beaches, friendly people. But most importantly, shit tons of oil and gas. Which is why here at the Australian government, we've repeatedly stabbed those friendly people in the fucking back. Like, remember that time we supported Indonesia when it invaded them? Sure, a third of them ended up being massacred on our doorstep. And sure, we left our own journalists to die in Balibo and then covered it up. But hey, it was worth it. Here we are sculling champers on a jet above the Timor Sea where all that oil and gas is. Good times. Sadly, this lucrative fuckfest was threatened when Timor finally won its independence. It was the youngest and poorest nation in Asia, so of course we helped them out. Nah, just kidding. We stabbed them in the back again by forcing their impoverished asses to sign a treaty that let us keep looting their oil and gas. How did we get such a good deal? By bugging their government offices during the negotiations. Lol. The only reason you know this is because one of our spies, who we'll call Witness K, blew the whistle after learning that the big sack of shit who ordered the bug 
bagging, went on to score a lucrative consultancy with the same pricks who have the license over those oil fields. Of course, we immediately prosecuted the criminals. Oh, not them, silly. Witness K and his lawyer. Right now, we're pushing to try them in a secret court. Because national security. Which is our way of saying that we'd rather you'd never learned how we conspired to defraud Timor. An offence under the ACT's criminal code. Or that we were using ACES for corporate espionage instead of stopping terrorists. Around the very time that terrorists bombed our embassy in Jakarta. Whoops. And we'd especially like you not to learn how we cheated a country just emerging from a brutal occupation with one of the world's highest rates of infant mortality, malnutrition and preventable disease, and deprive them of billions in revenue from their own resources, which is fuck tons more than what we give Timor in foreign aid. So when you think about it, Timor's sick kids are Australia's largest donor. Aw, thanks, little guys. What's that? At least you got cheaper gas. Aw, sweetheart. Did we not mention that Timor's gas is shipped straight to Japan? Where it's sold for 40% less than what you pay for it. So to recap our foreign policy, you pay for the exploration, investment and spying. These sick bags get rich. You get shafted on prices. Brown kids die of diarrhea. And anyone who exposes this shit fuckery gets tried in a secret court. Any questions? Visit Timor Leste, Australia's best kept dirty little secret. They are fucking brilliant, and I suggest anyone who's on Facebook get on Juice Media's fucking page because they are unbelievable. And as much as that is a satirical piss take, it fucking should make you angry and frothing at the mouth that we live in a country that would do that to people. We sure would. Well, there's nothing there that's really in dispute, is there? All the no, that's all, all facts. Mm, that's that's right. all fact. And it's quite commonly known and there's no one out in the streets flipping cars. Again, another really good example of why people should be fucking angry and clearly aren't paying attention, as the cliche goes. I think I need to buy myself a a ski mask and (laughs) get some petrol and start a new hobby. (laughs) You got one, have you, Mick? Up on the... the, (laughs) Yes, too. (laughs) And start getting around... What was that band that we still wear, the ski masks? What were they called? Tism. Oh, t- oh, they're Adelaide guys. Go for Tism. Teachers, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, should we actually be doing more? Should, should we actually be setting fire to shit? We're in isolation, no. That's, <laughs> don't, don't lose hope, comrades. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Anarchy is... We're going there. <laughs> but it can't just be three blokes because um, we know how that ends up. Yeah, not... Not real good. It's um, had a few interesting uh, conversations with people around the word comrade, Mick, that don't seem to understand exactly what its roots are and where it's come from. And they get a bit toey and think that's some sort of, a, I don't know, Russian or Nazi sort of term or something. Well, it's for some reason always tied to um, communism. Because mm. communism seems to get blamed for everything, so... May as well blame the word comrade on them as well. But it's a French word. It's not a Russian word. And it... It's fraternity, basically, isn't it? It's all... What's the, what's the word for something? The meaning, it's... it's uh, Definition. No, when you... Something from another... Something from another... Translation. Language. It's translation roughly means something like friend in struggle. I think we're all friends in struggle. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Every single person. So... Yeah, look, it might be seen as an old school romantic term, but I think it has fucking heaps of meaning. Mm. I like it. it sure. Does. So Just people that get, I think uh, people that say, "Oh, don't, don't call me comrade" or whatever, 
like that. Um, I think that's more talking to their fear of things that are different um, and fear over something that isn't mainstream. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it is used um, a bit flippantly sometimes within the union movement sometimes and not genuinely as well, very almost offhandedly, like it doesn't actually mean anything. Mm, I think internally, <coughs> this might probably sounds a bit arrogant, but I think internally um, we do it all right. Oh, but yeah, I, I, see what, yeah. I see what you mean. I've seen it done badly in, yeah, not from... God, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it done badly. Are we Not talking about our union? <laughs> I don't want to start a war. Division is dead. <laughs> Fix it with fire. Yeah, that's right. It's like the Watergate tapes, <clears throat> and then there's the original of this. But um, it, yeah, the, the the comrade thing is. It comes a lot to do. Like, there's a lot of history that really probably this podcast would be a good platform to pull a bit out when significant events come around, like Bastille Day and things like that, where historical events, people have died, whatever, struggles, where these terms and names and various speeches with key words and phrases and stuff have all been thrown around, historically been hung onto because of, of those events. And, um, yeah, the French have certainly got their ownership on quite a few of them, haven't they? They're not, they're not afraid of flipping cars, <laughs> are they? No. No, they're very fucking fond of the they, process. They have not lost <coughs> the art of using people power to fix yep. things yep yep it's entrenched isn't it i mean the second world war was an event either side of that there's a huge amount of history of various uprisings and people fucking standing to power and speaking truth to power in physical violent ways whatever yep i think um the west the education curriculum and all those sorts of things paints france and they overblow their apparent capitulation in world war Two, mm. they overblow that because i think deep down that's to plaster over the <clears> fact <throat> that socially they're a bit of a force very progressive so they want people yep. to go don't look at france they're weak as piss yep oh. when if you actually look at the way they conduct themselves it's fucking second and from no. one yeah, event in history yeah but it that's due to ignorance because if you look at world war Two and world war one and what they did they'll fucking storm jazz yes but i'm just talking about Classically, how they're seen. Like yeah, if yeah. you look in the, the British give the French shit. The Americans certainly give the French shit. By default, we are blind followers of those two mobs. So yeah. that's us. Yep, that's right. What have the they, French they, ever done? All that sort of bullshit. They don't fuck around. Especially, um, not saying that it's a good thing or not. But when um, was it Greenpeace was like had one of their protest boats in French waters doing something they didn't like. The fucking French Navy just went out and sunk the fucking boat. Yeah, like, yep. They don't fuck around. They're, they're staunch. <laughs> they are. They Fine. certainly are. Yeah, look, covering <clears throat> up, having elite troops cover up for nuclear tests in the Pacific. <laughs> I get, I get your point, Clarky. But and they're, let's just say, they're principled. Yes, that's what I meant, Michael. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not hanging shit on you. It's um. No, I'm. Agree. Violent agreement. Violent We're in agreement. right now. Yes, I've seen, I heard so you use that term during the The moon week, landing, was that a real thing? Oh, you are going to open no, that one. No, it's ah. a joke. I was joking. <laughs> I was yes, joking. Yes, flat. You, are you going to do ScoMo? Oh, you want to hear it? You've been, threat, you've been threatening for two and a half hours to do ScoMo. <sighs> I was, I was, Put us out of I, our fucking misery. It, <laughs> it's inspiring stuff. Inspiration. So, the, so the, the, the pre- Amble, I suppose, to this one is with all the lack of policy and so on that, well, any government has had since 
you know, the carbon price and all the rest of it that Labor tried and ultimately killed political careers and so on. The void, well, this was ScoMo's latest attempt to try and fill that void and, um, and try and offer anything. So I'll play you his much criticised fair income power pitch to the nation. We've got to get electricity prices down. I met Avril and Colin this morning. Colin served in our Defence Forces and a Defence Force pensioner. Avril's gone back to work to pay for the bills. This is their electricity bill. You can see it's paid, but they're paying too much. I look through your comments and you say, well, how are you going to do it? We're going to get the electricity companies in line. We're going to do it with new laws and new rules, which means they can't rip you off simply by you being a loyal customer. If you stay with them, you shouldn't be penalised for that. We're going to stop the price gouging and have tough penalties for the big electricity companies if they try and do that. And thirdly, we're going to force them to put more fair income, reliable energy, power into the system. Renewables are great, well, but we're also needing the reliable power when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. Cold. That's what keeps the lights on. Lower electricity prices, meeting our emissions reductions targets and ensuring the lights stay on. Authorised by S. Morrison. Isn't that fucking dog shit? What a load of fucking crap. That's the worst. <laughs> that's the fucking worst performance by a prime minister I think I've ever well, seen. Well said, Michael. <laughs> Old chocolate lips. <laughs> oh, renewables are great, but we need fair income power. Fair income. That's what keeps the lights on. Fairly scientific. Yeah. Oh, fucking. So he got picked apart. Massively, and we're, on gonna, that. we're just going <coughs> to basically say to big business, you need to. So all they've said there is you've got to look after your customer base. There's nothing about the wholesale price or no. There's no any real... price controls or anything. <laughs> they yeah. They Don't are... charge dead people for power. Oh fucking hell! He's um. That's his. That's uh, who they've touted as supposed to be a PR genius. He's bad, isn't it? It's wrong. I'm lucky I'm about three metres oh. away, but... Have you got it? It, no. smells, it smells about as good as Neil's attitude, which oh. is fucking atrocious. It's a fucking good attitude, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I'm not a... I'm glad I'm four metres away from it. But yeah, no, fucking... <laughs> that's their solution to power. Fair income power is what we need, and fair income power is coal. It's brown and black and dug up out of the ground, and fucking that's the solution to Australia's ways. Yeah, so after that, there's been a flurry of... Did he get flamed? Massively. Was that on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was uh, about a week Every time ago. he puts something on Twitter, there's a brigade of people out there just smashing. Well, he's... Because he's, he's useless. Yeah, he? he's, he's been put up on a pedestal I as being like, the fucking PR man. You know, that's the, what I thought. He was a marketing guru. He's a fucking clown. Well, we come up with... Um, where the bloody hell are you? That was his fine piece of work. Well done. Yeah. Is that right? That was his, yeah. The Lara, uh, t- yeah, what's her name? Yeah, Lara yeah. Bingle. Bingle, that's her, yeah. Jeez, yep. a few of the evangelicals would have been a bit upset. That's a bit crass. Well, yes, a little bit, little bit racy, probably, for his, for his crowd. <laughs> Showing a bit of skin. And poor language, clearly. That's just not, you not said on. There was a rubbish leak of him giving uh, like a sermon at, Whatever church it is, oh, it goes yeah. to about, I think it was about earthquake victims or. No, I think it was just a drought, wasn't it? They were no, saying I prayers think, for no, him or something. I think it was. He was saying like a prayer. I think I'm pretty sure it was like earthquake. The tsunami, the recent one oh, in the Philippines. Yeah, it must or? have been the tsunami or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, he didn't know someone was videoing and didn't know someone would put it up. And it's so? like, of course he did. He, of course he knew. Yeah, it was if pretty. He, if, if he knew that wasn't going to happen, it was pretty well scripted. Oh, I was. Made my skin crawl watching mm. 
it's like, right, so these people, they deserve our compassion and our thoughts, but we can just lock everyone else up on the room and that's fine and bury mm. the key. Even the time, it's just the optics of everything that's happened probably over the last month has just been really poor, you know, the apology to institutional abuse. And then at the same time, institutionally, we've got kids being abused, you know, in an island in offshore detention. Tony Abbott's awkward bloody appearance at, um, at uh, Julie, Julie Gillard's... Um, speech did you see that what the fuck was going on there i don't know i mean why was he i don't know why he bothered turning up but good on him for turning up but jesus like no idea but why would he just to go into like stand just stand full-on standby mode just yeah waiting it's almost like the the computer in his head's downloading instructions it's like so in the meantime i'm just going to stand there like a battery hand and wait for something the cfmu put (laughs) that up they did they they? put up a thing saying this is one of the more awkward things you'll watch ever (laughs) Wasn't wrong. It was correct. Oh, I was watching it. I was. I felt awkward watching it. It was nearly like when um, he was prime minister and someone mm. got him in the courtyard and asked him a question he couldn't answer, and he went into like that was sta- standby mode. That was mm. when old mate uh, he, when he went to Afghanistan and he was talking to um, one of the officers there about oh, said, a soldier that had died and oh, oh, shit, shit, shit happens and yeah. blah 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 and that went and that he went. got asked about it and then he just went full head nod and. Stare, nod, and hair, nod, and oh, mate's like, well, what about it? And he just didn't say anything. He's like, Are you gonna like say anything or what? <laughs> he goes, I've given you the answer you've deserved or something. That was about the only saving grace of that whole interview that he sort of justified his awkward nodding and silence and stuff. Yeah, no, he's he's a strange cat, Abbott. There's no doubt about it. I don't know. Um, there was a cool thing on Twitter today. Actually, uh, they've documented the first piece of political graffiti in Mossman which is in the, in the electorate of Warringah yeah, yeah. and it was something to do with the, the, having the values of the area and kick Abbott out or something like that but they were just amazed that any political statement of being scrawled on a wall in Mossman, they believe it's the first one ever in since federal times, you know when you compare it to say Melbourne which is Is it a blue blue ribbon seat? Massively Right. Massively. It's on the Oh, if you went across the bridge and we're heading out to Manly, you'd pass through Mossman and it's just all high-end everything. Sounds sounds pretty dear to live there. It was dear a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Before houses became expensive, it was dear. It's right next to Kirribilli, basically. Oh, wow. It's the next suburb along, yep. So in other news, 19 years ago today, Rage Against the Machines (gasps) album, the Battle of... Los Angeles was released. Awesome. That, according to Tom Morello. That seems like a long time ago now. Mm, 20 years. Favourite like, favorite like track yesterday. <laughs> Well, favourite track uh, in Australia. Actually, No Shelter made the track list as a bonus track. Really? So if you brought the album in Australia, No Shelter was on there, and that's probably my favourite track. Yeah, that right. That's uh, Testify, Grill Radio is pretty good. Mm. Um, Calm Like a Bomb's not bad. Um, yeah, Sleep Now in the Fire is pretty good. Yeah, that's no, fucking great album. Love it. Solid. Good, good band all round, really. When you can list, when you can actually read the lyrics and there's something, some good content in there, it's just not repeated nonsense like most... <laughs> You know, popular music. What are you <laughs> talking about, mate? Well, yeah, Drake so. is a fucking philosopher. <laughs> Give him his fucking Jews, Cobber. A modern day poet. Yeah, no, yeah. Morello's fucking a genius in a lot of ways. And he's a good person, good human being. Yes. He uses, uses his platform to actually say something, make a difference. 
His uh, solo album Union Town's quite good, isn't it? Awesome, yeah. So if you yeah. want a few good Union songs, get on that one. If you've got Spotify, Mick, have you jumped on board yet, you got mate? Spotify yet, Mick? Have you? It's like fuck all. It's ten bucks a month on your, you know, it's like it's nothing. It seemed overly complex when I, you were giving me a run through before. <laughs> maybe maybe you should just piggyback my account. We've got family account, which oddly enough is five users, which is weird. I don't know what family's got. That's a pretty big family. Like I would have thought fam, you'd go from one individual contract to maybe three, but now they skip straight to five. Fuck your judgmental. No, well, you know, it's a lot. It's bigger than mine. Although you're working towards fucking seven the rate you're going. Uh. <laughs> you gonna get the snip big or what <laughs> I'll get the referral again shall I <laughs> referral again you had a referral <laughs> a teaspoon of neutron star weighs about as much as Mount Everest teaspoon almost as dense as evangelicals <laughs> <laughs> oh. is it is it that time in the podcast oh. where we start looking at memes no but- no, we'll yeah, I just I snuck There up. has been a few good ones come through. There's been a couple of good memes about lately. I got the good one that comes up probably every six months on my feed, and it's um, I, young boy talking to um, his old man who's in the in the you know the armchair. We're reading the paper, and the boy says to his father, "Dad, I'm considering a career in organised crime." And the father says, "Government or private sector?" <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's I an like oldie, but yeah. a goodie. It's yeah. a goodie. Here's one. It's a bit of a. Um, Statement about this podcast, I think, and the way we run it, given that we buy the seat of our pants. Not only is my short-term memory horrible, but so is my short-term memory. <laughs> well, I can relate to that, unfortunately. <laughs> That's a great meme. Very I can, I can uh, relate quite well to that one. Oh. Feeling sad and depressed? Are you anxious? Worried about the future? Feeling isolated and alone? You might be suffering from capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, that uh, Facebook page—I think I, it's called Capitalism Kills—is quite a good one. It yes. is. What else has happened in the last month? TPP that got all done and dusted. You're gonna, you got a bit to say about that, me? Thanks, well, Labor. That fucking. Oh, but it's okay because this is what we're talking. I'm pretty sure we were talking about this last time, about a month ago, and Labor had just sort of not opposed it. it when, got, when space time catches up, the edited podcast that's. About to go live, we touched on that yeah, a little bit, but it, it doesn't really matter. The issues relate to tomorrow, next year, three years from now, ten years ago. It's all the same. But yeah, it was a month ago that it went through the lower house, unopposed by Labor, and we were getting a bit fucking excited then. But what's happened since then, Michael? Well, nothing, because <laughs> Labor locked in and let it go through to the keeper, and it has so, all the way through, hasn't it? Now all done. Um, claiming that if they get into government, they will make amendments, but that is not how it works. Once it's in, it's in. It can't be um, undone without threat of legal action, not only by country, but private corporation. We talked about the ISDS clause which in those agreements, which is the Investor State Dispute Settlement Provision, and that basically says that a private company, who are obviously much wealthier than governments these days, can sue a government like ours, if they pass a regulation or law that could inhibit their future profits. Mm. Go figure. That yeah. is um, very broad and very scary shit. It's True. also very bad for workers because, as we know, free trade agreements aren't um, about free trade. They're um, a bullshit set of words to allow globalisation to thrive even more. 
and it will. I mean, it's non-discriminatory. As you said, it's pretty broad. I mean, that that just exposes a whole other can of well, even things like um, legislation to um, remove asbestos from our workplaces. So, okay, we've already got the legislation in Australia, but there's other places, jurisdictions around the world where it hasn't been properly legislated. If you've got an ISDS clause in a fair trade agreement and you say, oh, asbestos, no good for humans, usually ends up to lead up to death, blah, 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 we're going to get rid of it and ban it. Well, they're going to go, well, hang on a minute, James Hardy's going to go, oh, well, that's going to ruin my business model. It's going to affect profit. Uh, we'll take you to court, reverse the decision. Then, you know, from that point on, it can, nothing can be done. Nothing can be done. Anything, anything bad that you want to take out of the work environment or whatever, if that affects profit, even if it requires something as um, as simple as a spotter for a fucking uh, scissor lift, the potential is that they could just step in and go, nah, no good, we don't want to put someone else on for something like that. Whatever, it could be anything. It's so fucking broad. Sure. And, and it's just straight away gone. Catch yeah. you later. You know, we were talking before about Brazil and their fascist regime that's been voted in down there. Yep. So a couple of the things which the Brazil, new Brazilian president's on the record for, he wants he's calling for a cleansing never seen before in Brazilian history, and he's calling to exile or imprison leftists, which is pretty broad. Yep. He's a proud homophobe who'd sooner see his son die than be gay. He's called for a civil war costing 30,000 lives, and his view on females is that he wouldn't rape a woman because she's very ugly. Good fella. Wow. This, this guy, I'm sure, has modelled himself on the... Um, Trump? No, no, no. The, the, yeah, the, well, the guy Trump sort of likes. He's um, uh, Philippines. Yeah, Philippines, I think. The president there. I'll look D- it up. Duterte. That's him? Yeah. yeah. Basically, his war on crime involves basically slaughtering... Drug anyone. dealers. Oh, yeah. drug dealers, anyone caught with drugs. That's the, the ultimate deterrent. Yeah. Use drugs, feel, you know, but your life. He's, Duterte's being populist by doing that, mm. whereas this bloke's an ideologue who's right. going after his political opponents. Right, and he's just going to exercise his... So, see, activist instead of drug dealer, that's not a good thing. No, not for a country that's just had the Olympic Games. Michael's getting tired. Saturday night, you're not supposed, you're not supposed to be worried about things like that. <laughs> that that's, that's all. Just gone all that just must be the siren for uh, starting Ooh. to wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> must be. That's the siren. That's, that's the, that's the uh, time to wrap things up siren. The Chewbacca siren. Yeah, I, I don't care. No, nah, it's getting... It's 10.30. Wouldn't mind. Fuck. Wouldn't mind, like, going home sometime <laughs> soon. Yeah, I don't even like you. So, <laughs> once again... <laughs> Uh, thanks to everyone that took the time to listen to our podcasts. We will attempt to get some sort of structure into this fucking thing in the in the new year as we uh, close out 2018. It's November already. Fucking year's just gone like that in a flash. Mm. It was only January, Mick, and we're sitting in this very shed. Is that right? Doing our first rehearsals for podcasting and the like. 12 months? It's nearly been 12 months. Holy shit. Seems like a lot longer than that, Chris. What an absolute pleasure it's been. For the listener. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes for us. Yes. Um, So, yeah, once again, uh, 
Thanks for taking the time to listen to us rant and rave. I hope you get something out of it. I hope you do question the status quo and do a bit of your own research and things of that nature. Um, if you could like our Facebook page and then go through your friends list and invite every one of your friends to like our Facebook page, that would be great uh, to help us spread the word. I think we're up to 294 likes or something on our page so if we could break 300 by the end of the year that'd be fantastic killing us absolutely killing us so yeah just invite all your friends I'm sure all of you have got numerous friends on uh, social media you can invite along to this listening pleasure they'll thank you for it I'm sure but until next time keep questioning the status quo now you get it to sign us off Neil well that is a sign off isn't it yeah, but you can finish it off. I can finish it off? It's your yeah. turn. It's your turn, Neil. How do you do it? You just did it. <laughs> Until next time, question the status quo. No, <laughs> keep questioning the status quo and then say something like, enjoy your fish and chips or whatever. Okay. No, but nothing. <laughs> Not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> End. Yeah, wind it up. Very good. Quite the end. Thank you. Woo! Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Down to press stop.